This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast preview show, not on a Friday. No, not this week. Like last week, we don't want to do a show on New Year's Eve, so we're doing it tonight, which is Thursday instead. But we will obviously be looking at our next match, which is the Liverpool match. Uh, But of course, we'll also be uh, looking back to last night's match, which was against Brighton, of course. And of course, I am Stanford Chidge. And on the show, as ever, is the wonderful, mellifluous Jonathan Kidd. Oh, how lovely to be called mellifluous, melodic, tuneful. Thank yes. you. One day I'll I'll get my words all tied up and I'll go, and welcome to the wonderful flatulent Jonathan Kidd or something like that. I will fart on cue, you I know. I thought that. you would. I thought you would. Uh, how are you? You all right? You recovered from last night? Another good fan by I see. No, thank you. I'm not sure I've recovered, but you know, I'm getting I'm getting used to it. You know, if you just accept the fact that it'll be a It'll be a draw playing at home and probably 1-1. Then, you know, you get into a kind of rhythm, don't you, really? I know, I know. Who have we got on the show tonight, JK? Uh, Oh, you know, a couple of wastrels, a couple of (laughs) profligates, a couple of people. I don't know why. Why do you invite all these, these, these people? Yeah, to steal your light and thunder, mate. Oh, oh yeah, why terrible... can't we just do it on a... Yeah, no, on a <laughs> One on day a... you might get your wish, mate, and then we'll be <laughs> stuffed, I tell you. We will be royally stuffed. No, as always, you only you only invite uh, immaculate um, people to comment. And one of them, of course, is the, the brilliant uh, Dane Whittle. Charming. Um, mellifluous, as mellifluous as I am. And... Um, and uh, Fantastic work he always does on Instagram. I always mention this, but also um, uh, the the youth to take over soon from both of us, Chidge. Um, yes, Dane Whittle himself. Hello, Dane. Lovely to have you on the show. Well, he's going to say the fantastic Adam Newson, and then <laughs> we've also got Dane on. But uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take that uh, build up. Thank you. Yes, yeah, lovely to be on. Really looking forward to it. And uh, and also we've got Adam Newson. Who? <laughs> Who? <laughs> 
Oh, some some geezer you keep getting on from football got London. I don't I don't know. Know. No. Keeps coming on, keeps coming on, ruining the show by being erudite <laughs> and interesting, and takes over from the whole thing. And we we might as well all just go home and just listen to him talking. How how dare he raise the tone of an otherwise bottomless pit of rubbish? Absolutely right. He I does know. every time. He's I so know. completely excellent. Adam, you are excellent. Lovely to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hope you had a good Christmas. We did, yeah. It's really good to see you, Adam. Thanks for coming on. I know it's not easy at this time of the year for those of us who are married. <laughs> I'll say that and say no more. Uh, but good to see you. Good, good to see you too, Dane. I know that uh, there's a lot going on in your world as well at the moment, so much appreciated. Now, let's get straight to it uh, because there's lots on the show tonight. As I said, uh, we've got... Uh, the Brighton Review coming up now. In the opposition view uh, for Liverpool, we have got a stellar guest tonight. We've got Tony Evans on, who used to be the football editor at uh, The Times and is a, also a very accomplished uh, a football author, writer, call it what you will. And uh, some may say a professional scouser. That would probably be harsh, but uh, I can think of no one finer to talk about the Chelsea-Liverpool match than Tony, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then we'll be re- previewing in the game itself uh, in part three. But... Uh, Starting with the Brighton match, yes. Uh, I mean, you know, we could talk about the incidents and we could talk about this and we could talk about that and we could talk about individual players' performances and all of that. Um, But actually, I think it might be better to take a bit more of a broad brush approach to this because no matter how incandescent I was, uh, there was, I mean, you know, like like when we say, when you score a last-minute winner, there there are a few joys that you get in a football match that can compete with that, I think. But conversely, when you when you lose or draw with a last-minute goal, there is nothing that kind of makes me as incandescent with rage as that. And I felt much like everybody did last night. But after I calmed down a bit, uh, my take-out from it first, Adam, was uh, Chelsea are clearly running on empty. I mean, I, I compared them the other week to that wonderful song from Lee Marvin, Paint Your Wagon, you know, three wheels on my wagon and I'm still rolling along. Well, they they played last night that they had one wheel on their wagon and they were barely limping along. Um, but here's the question, Adam. Does that really excuse the performance? I mean, personally, I think it does. But do you? Yeah, I do. I think, I don't know. I think it probably got to the half hour mark of yesterday's game. And Reese. I think Reese had gone off at that point and you could see Christensen was injured. And I just looked at the team and I thought, you all look knackered. And there's another 60 minutes still of this game to play. And yeah, Chelsea have played more games than any other Premier League side this month. They've played, they've not had a game called off when they perhaps should have had a game called off. Um, And Tuchel was working with a group of players who have essentially been flogged over the last few weeks because of circumstance beyond their control. COVID is random, essentially. It it can take anywhere. It can can strike you at any point and then you're out of the game for 10 days or a week to 10 days. The injuries are a result of players being pushed too hard. I mean, to lose Reese to a muscular injury like that was pretty sad, to be honest, because it looks like it's quite a bad one and he might be out for, for a good couple of months, if not more. And that's probably the result of being overplayed. And he's had to be overplayed because Chelsea have had no games called off and players out and players forced to to play when they perhaps needed to actually step out the team. And look, Tuchel has been warning about this for a couple of weeks and there you go, Reese is the big casualty. And it leaves us with only Marcus Alonso going into Liverpool as our wing-back. So, yeah, not ideal. Um, but I do have a lot of sympathy for these players because they are running on empty at this point. They could do with a break, but it's not going to get any, any, any easier at all. I couldn't have put it better myself, Adam. I mean, you know, you were there, JK. 
I mean, there were other things that were going on. I mean, you know, the the fin. I mean, here's a, here's a good thing. I mean, I mean, you know, it'd be very easy for us to criticise some of the finishing as we often do because often it is very poor. I would accept that, but I I, I mean, my you know, I said it in my notes. I don't know if you you read them or not, but it's not just physical uh, fatigue that I think the players are suffering from. I think it's mental fatigue as well. And I think, you know, we all know this. If you're at work and you're really hungover or tired, you make mistakes. And I think that's what we're seeing as well. I think the mental fatigue is, I mean, you know, for example, Hudson-Odoi, you know, maybe should have chosen to shot rather than pass to Mount or whatever. He got it wrong. But I think that's mental fatigue that's coming on. Your brain fries when you're tired. And I think that, that needs to be considered too. I think there's something to be said for um, the reason that one of the reasons Lukaku is looking so good, he's hardly played at all, had a huge amount of rest. And because uh, he was he was outstanding last night. And he was the again. only positive from the game. The really, only positive, and I, and I agree completely. I think there must be a kind of group mentality going on with it. I mean, not only menta- mentality, I think a group, a group um, tiredness, a group exhaustion. Uh, that is not just physical; it's it's, it's affecting them mentally. Because Kovacic had a terrible game, and uh, but when you think about it, he's he had COVID ten days ago, didn't he? So, and and we, we still don't know what the the repercussions are for COVID for some players. If they're fit, it might hasn't affected them. But uh, Havertz is clearly not fit enough to be back in the. Uh, well, look back at in the, look at Werner. Uh, he's and, missed, and he's Werner, missed five ab- matches because of COVID. Absolutely. So I so I think it. I mean, I think one the trouble is it's one's one's. One's knee-jerk reaction after after that kind of game is to when when uh, the, the dilemma we have is that we we you know we won we won the Champions League last year we expected them to do really well so we almost impose um, a standard upon them that I don't think given the circumstances they're going to be able to achieve and yet there is always this feeling Brighton we must blow them away because we're much better than them and yet very organised side it's, it's it's no coincidence that he keeps drawing all the time um, very clever players got more and more confident. Um, we did ve- we did very well to 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 not have them score much earlier actually. So uh, uh, I've become slightly less annoyed. I mean, I've now become more annoyed about the refereeing, having seen the um, the items of uh, the, the 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 clips that I didn't see obviously because I was there. Um, uh, so uh, I think yes to answer your question. I think yes. I think they're um, they're mentally and physically exhausted. Yeah, and and, and I think that the injuries are, are a consequence of of being forced to play too much when when they're they're very possibly injured they're yeah, very possibly yeah. um, um sorry they're very possibly ill they're very possibly physically ill as a consequence of of uh, of okay. having uh, of having caught this this insidious germ you know yeah absolutely so you look at hudson Adoy, he came back from covid was kind yeah, of and was straight in absolutely 90 minutes at villa park and he's played an hour yesterday and that's yeah. with two or three training sessions after having covid and that's quite look, look hudson Adoy didn't play that well last night and he did make a mistake for for that chance but some of the vitriol that's been oh. sent is there. I know that's actually, it's, it's actually done my head in today just because of so he's only 21 years old so he's got a lot of development still to go and yeah it's not been very nice no it's not but I mean again I, I think that people need to get their heads out of their arse and just basically ignore pretty much 90% of the crap that you see on Twitter I mean yeah. I speak as a psychotherapist here right you know I deal with people's unconscious five days a week I, I i deal with their internal dialogue there's a reason we call it an internal dialogue it's not usually shared i'm privileged in a sense because i get paid f- to get people to share it with me what twitter has done is made it a game 
to share your inner thoughts. It's mm. nuts. It's absolutely mad. You know, if if you looked at it in a completely different way, it would be it would be made illegal because it's dangerous. So ignore it. It's not worth it. I, I've been slightly guilty by my knee jerk reaction to to the game by saying that you know some careers have been have been ruined by that. You know, when Salah played for us and missed missed an open goal, he was uh, Mourinho got rid of him. And uh, you know, it, it, it's it, it's it's the consistency of doing it. You, it, I think, the problem with with the doy is not that he should be given terrible vitriol. I agree. I think no, it's, it's been appalling. Absurd. It's been appalling. But we. we it's the it's the inconsistency, the fact that one week he plays terribly well, and then if you then look at the, the mitigating circumstances, exactly of what you said, um, uh, Adam, is that he came back from COVID and played ninety minutes, and and should be applauded for that. And therefore, it was it's completely unfair of us to make this assessment of him. However, however, his his desire to play was it Mount in was was absolutely ridiculous yeah. given given that there was the goal the goalkeeper didn't even come out standing on the line and then of course the other dreadful thing to then re- have it revealed to you that the, well, the yeah. it handles it blatantly then opens an enormous can of worms about what the fuck mike dean is doing still refereeing because he's the boss of everything i know but uh and the fact that they will not, they defer to him entirely is pernicious and is what VAR was created to get well, and, rid and, of. And, well, there was the Mount goal, which should have stood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no way he should have blown there. And then, as we now know, it was a handball uh, when hudson Adoy tried to pass to uh, Mount. But there you go. Uh, yeah. Dane, I, I, I desperately want to talk to you about this because... You know, we, 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 the under, undercurrent of all of this, as I said, this is the, the thing. We could get really mired in the details, I think. And actually, I think we need to step back and look at the bigger picture here. And I did a piece for uh, CFC UK today. I actually, I think I've broken my all-time record. It's the earliest I've delivered a piece. Normally, poor old DJs. You think you're the only one, Adam. I tell you, I do it to everybody. <laughs> um, but um, I actually kind of, you know, had a look at the injuries that we've got, that we've had this season, because I, I think this is unprecedented. It'd be interesting to talk to all of you about this, because, you know, we've all been watching a long, a long time. And I can't remember the, this many injuries in one season and to so many key players. I mean, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll bore you stupid with this. I mean, basically, if you add it all up, uh, you know, Chelsea players have missed 75 matches so far this season through injury. So Kante's missed nine Two with a groin, two with COVID, five with a knee. Kovacic, six with an abductor, four with COVID. Cheek, two with a with COVID, two with a muscle injury. Mount, two with a muscle injury. Havertz, four with COVID. ZH, one with a shoulder. Pulisic, two for COVID, 12 with an ankle injury. Lukaku, three for COVID, six with a strain. That was when he got his ankle done, I think. Werner, five with COVID, four with a strain. Silver, uh, he's obviously picked up an injury last week. That's his knee. Mendy was out for two games with a bruised rib. Chilwell, as we know, I mean, up till now, it's it's 10 matches with his cruise ship. He'll now miss the rest of the season. Add to that, James, which we reckon might be three or four uh, months, really, with a hammy I read somewhere. And Christensen's done his back again. Uh, I, I think that's unprecedented. You You boys tell me if I'm wrong. You've got to throw in that Mount missed two games because of his teeth as well. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. But that's odd because transfer market would have had that in. So I'm, maybe it's not as clever as I thought it was. What do you reckon, Dane? Unprecedented or what? Oh, yeah, yeah. When you when you highlight it like that, it's even like the little things like Werner, nine games. I never would have uh, guessed that he'd missed nine games. I would have had five or six. And it's 
it's ripping our squad apart. It's 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 ripping our formation apart. It's ripping our tactics apart. You know, I think the three four three, uh, which he plays, it's three four three. Have I got that right? Yeah. Yeah, three four three, which he plays, goes down fifty percent without without Chilwell and Reese in it. It's just it's just a whole new dimension when you've got uh, potentially Dave a right wing back or Pulisic and Alonso on the left. So I'm starting to think who this formation is actually going to suit. Uh, Thiago Silva's fit is it? Does it suit him? Is, is that about it? It protects Jorginho to an extent. You know, poor Jorginho looks so knackered last night. On the best of times, he looks like he's running in quicksand. Last night, he just looked he, he looked terrible. And I know again, I know you highlighted Twitter, and it isn't the be all and end all. And I regularly, uh, when I do go on it, I regularly reply to people who say uh, who try and quote Chelsea fans as uh, generalize everyone. And I say, really, what you see on your timeline, then not in general uh they're trying to go back to the sarri and lampard uh, era of, of of players downloading took down in tools and but they're just absolutely knackered like you said other going back to some of the decisions as well i thought Pulisic was could have had a penalty possibly when, when that zoomed oh, in definitely more. definitely it, it, it. but yeah, yeah i was there last night it was a funny atmosphere i think everyone was quite grumpy actually was. i don't know if it's a three or four days spent with a family over christmas <laughs> when they come to the Come to the football, hoping to, yeah, hoping bizarrely to be, subdued, wasn't it? Yeah, to be then, given a nice night, yeah. and then Chelsea let them down, and it just made matters worse. Yeah, there was a lot of funny shouts and people whinging and moaning, and it wasn't great. And yeah, I again, you know, I know Tuchel hasn't got a plan B, and I, you know, I thought when Lamptey went off, it's, it's irrelevant because he hasn't got a plan B. I just thought when Lamptey went off, they lost a lot of place, and we could have easily shift into a back four and maybe push Pulisic forward. And because you look at the the people are out of position and I'm going on, you know, we praise Mount so much, but you know, we all know he's a number eight playing left forward inside. He's not inside much anymore. He seems so wide. It's untrue. And, you know, rightly criticized his touch looks a bit off, but again, he's not that's too far forward for him. I, I personally believe. And, and yet, yet he still most times produces a good sort of, I think he has been a bit off himself. Yeah. It's just feels like round pegs and square holes. And it's, it's, it's a worry. It's a worry. And does that mean they're going to try and go in, in in the transfer market? You can imagine they want loans because a lot of these players are going to come back uh, at some point and then they'll have a, a full squad again and a lot of whingers. But yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's definitely a massive worry. To answer your question specifically, uh, I, I don't think for the last 15 years there's been that much more, 17 years, that those... The, the huge number of injuries that we've, we've had in this season. However, going back further past that, I'd say another 25 years, they were so bad that you didn't actually care if there were many injuries because you then look forward to what new youth player might come in and perhaps hold down a place. So uh, um, you, co you couldn't really be forensic at that stage because you didn't. it was an opportunity for somebody to play who might be better than the, the dross that was playing at the time. But um, I don't remember for the periods where, um, other than key players like Poyet getting injured, do you remember Chidge mm. in that season when, um, yeah. the season was it 98, when we should actually have, yeah. we could have won it. Scuppered the title, didn't it? Absolutely scuppered the title. But that was one major, major injury. But these are one know. or two. I think well, my point is, yeah. is we're talking 12, no, indeed, 14 indeed. players. No, I agree with what I'm saying. Absolutely agree completely. I don't nine nine of the players in my list, JK, nine of the players in my list Won yeah. the chat were in the team that won the Champions League for us, and then you add in Lukaku, 
okay, who was our record signing. That is the that is the the, the depth of the problem. Adam, I just wanted to pop in with a quickie to you actually, because I had a bit of an argument with the the legend that is Kerry Dixon, which seemed to kind of uh, epitomise the, the the general argument that's going on in football at the moment, which is a lot of people in the media are saying Tuchel should shut up, stop moaning. We've got a big squad. What's he worried about? And, and and just get on with it. I mean, Andy Townsend was like that last night on BT's coverage. He was saying, oh, Ch- oh sorry, Amazon's coverage. Oh, Chelsea should stop moaning, just get on with it. Kerry said, oh, they should just get on with it. You know, we played lots of games. When I, My point to him um, was, yeah, that's fine, Kerry, but it's it's a very different game now. And managers like Tuchel are incredibly analytic. It's all stats-based. It's all... Uh, you know the medical department are absolutely key to this so they know they won't wear gps thingies you know they know exactly what's going on physiologically with these players so they know what they can and can't take what they can and can't push so from my point of view when i hear tuchel doing his nut about it which he has been for the last three weeks i think you listen because they look at the game in a very different way than it was uh, played 20 30 years ago i mean what, what do you think no i think you're right and i think what Tuchel's been trying to do, obviously, look, he, as you say, he knows all the data, he has all the, the medical advice, but he's still having to take punts on players because Chelsea were, slash, maybe still are just about in a title race. And it's not just a case of, well, this game doesn't matter, we can chuck in four or five kids and let a few stars sit out. They can't do that because they are trying to keep pace with Liverpool and, and City. And look, it backfired on him, obviously, going with the almost tried and trusted players in, in Reese going out yesterday. But no, I, I agree with you. I think we all went into the season thinking Chelsea have got quite a big squad and we could maybe carry a couple of injuries in, in key positions. But when you're losing Thiago Silva yesterday, then you see James go off, Chilwell's already out. You see, as, as, as Dane said, Jorginho absolutely shattered, looked so far off yesterday. Kovacic not fit. There's only so much you can carry before it really does start affecting you. And, and I think from Tuchel's perspective, he's just frustrated that in his opinion, his players have been forced to play games that other clubs haven't been forced to play games, and it's now resulted in a big injury to a very, very important player in Reese. And I think that's why Tuchel was so pissed off fundamentally after yesterday's win because yeah, he was—I think he just wanted to say, "Look, this is what I said would happen," and now it has. He's been predicting it for weeks, and it's absolutely cruel as hell that it's happened to Reese. Uh, I, I mean, Chilwell's out for the season. We know. Um, you know, we, I, I don't know what they're going to do about that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to part that for a minute, actually, because there's a thing, think something we can wrap in together as we kind of close out this part, which is number one. I, I was reading today that Chil, uh, that uh, Christensen uh, seems minded to sign for Barcelona. Lord, no. I mean, where are Barcelona getting all this money from for a start? I mean, I know they're not having to pay him, uh, pay Chelsea a fee, but they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. R- uh, Rudiger, we're thinking Real Madrid, Aspie also. Uh, for Barcelona, believe it or not, and then then we get the the news that broke about an hour before we went to air that Lukaku's done an interview with Italian Sky Sports, uh, declaring his undying love for Inter Milan and his pissed offness for Tuchel for for not playing him in a system that suits him. Something actually, funny enough, we've been moaning about too. What on earth is going on, Adam? I mean, is this a sign of of some underlying unrest in the camp? Because I have to say, from what I've seen, I mean, you know. They're putting it on the line for Tuchel by playing in the conditions that they're playing in. And I've seen them on the pitch and they all look pretty together. So is, is there something underlying going on that we're just not seeing on the pitch? No, I don't think so. so I've actually been off for the last couple of weeks, but I was speaking to, to someone uh, close to the first team today and they were saying that we're going for a tough patch. We all know it, uh, but we will come out of this stronger. There's no sense of, of fractures or anything like that, which is important. 
given it was his time last year where things obviously started going very, very wrong under Frank. Um, I think Tuchel's a victim of his own success in terms of the transfer stuff because Chelsea have been caught out essentially by Rudiger and Christensen, especially given their revitalization under Tuchel. They've become so good so quickly that Chelsea have been put in this position of trying to tie their contracts down. They didn't want to sell him in the summer because they played so well. They were hopeful of keeping him and it's come back to bite them on the arse, basically. And yeah, it, Rudiger, I think, is very likely to go. I'm surprised at the Christiansen stuff because there has been a, almost an expectation on Chelsea's part that he would sign because Chelsea have been very, very willing to meet his demands even after they felt they'd agreed different uh, demands. Um, so that will be quite... I imagine Chelsea's hierarchy going to be very pissed off if, if Christiansen is now deciding to go. Um, and as P, I mean, I don't really begrudge as P going. Um, if he wants to go... Fair enough. He's 32. Um, if you want to see a couple more years in Spain, go back to where you know his home country. Having won everything there is to win at Chelsea, then fair play. I'm not, I'm not going to begrudge him that. He will leave a club legend, and he'll always be welcome back. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, Chelsea are in a bit of a mess <laughs> going into this transfer window now, and I think they probably will be busier than anyone really envisaged a couple of months ago. Even though he said at a previous press conference he wasn't going to. Uh affect the the spirit of the group by bringing anybody new in but it, it's a very different circumstances has been forced upon him now hasn't it yeah look i'd say it was took always genuinely whenever it was two months ago perfectly happy with the squad because he had everybody fit and you you have squad players that you don't necessarily expect to play half a season with like someone like marcus alonso yes you can maybe drop him in for two or three games and he'll do a job until chilwell comes back but if you're then relying on him to play 25 30 games and maybe you have a bit more of a problem and you want to try and come up with another solution to it so i mean if james is out for four or five months chelsea can't go on with potentially aspi and alonso as your first choice wing backs i just think it doesn't work and and tickle doesn't want to change system because as dane said it protects silver and Jorginho well um, definitely, definitely not Pulisic and Saul as the alternatives. <laughs> Indeed. Um, listen, what what about Lukaku? I mean, I don't know. Have you seen seen uh, the uh, interview he did with Italian Sky Sports? Yeah, yeah, I think the crucial thing here is when that interview took place, um, because Lukaku said after the Villa game that he had some talks with Tuchel, um, quite productive talks, I think he said, um, with Tuchel about his role in the team. And I'm just wondering if this interview took place couple of weeks ago three weeks ago before maybe these talks were held his opinion or is very different to what it is now having spoken to Tuchel about it because I think we have seen a bit more of a of a freer Lukaku in the last couple of games that he's been given a bit more license to roam into to where he wants to play and not just you know stand in the middle and let us hit balls at you um so yeah the timing of it's not great um at all but it'll be interesting to know when the interview took place and um yeah it will be uh, it'll be interesting now tomorrow to his press conference because I'm sure he's going to be asked about it. Mm, interesting. Given the potential of Lukaku, do you think this could be a shift in the way that the team plays for the rest of the season? Because he's been completely outstanding, without any shadow of a doubt. Those last two games, mm. magnificent, magnificent performances. I would be surprised if Tuchel drastically changed things, but. To be honest, it, it intrigued me Lukaku's statement in these quotes, which you know, you know, are in Italian and have been translated into English. That he said that he's not playing in the same structure that I expected or, or I was told that we play along those lines. It's like, well, what did you expect? Because if you kind of watched Chelsea last year, you you would have known that if that's the 
system Chelsea play. So I'm intrigued to know what he was told if he didn't expect to play in this system. Uh, just I've just heard uh, Dean, thankfully, on our uh, WhatsApp group has just uh, posted a tweet by Matt Law, who, as we all know, is very close to what goes on at the club. And he said he's told that the Lukaku interview took place around three weeks ago. Right. So that oh, does put it go. in the context that we were kind yeah, of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if people have spoken since and ironed out a couple of issues, then it kind of makes the quotes not null and void, but far less significant. Yeah, absolutely right. Listen, chaps, we better let it go there, annoyingly. I could talk about this for at least another two hours. We've got lots on the show tonight. Adam, as always, it's such a delight to see you. And um, Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. What's your favourite moment from uh, 2021? Remember I said that in the email? Excluding Champions League. Excluding the Champions League, because we'll all say that. Probably the 4-0 over Juventus, Mm. which wasn't that long ago. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that that feeling of watching, was it three academy grads score, completely dismantling one of Europe's traditional powerhouses, um, that was just a great night and very, very enjoyable and very lucky to be there for it. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Adam, I just wanted to say Happy New Year to you, obviously. I know it's a bit preemptive, but I probably won't speak to you before then. Uh, But also a massive thank you to the huge support you've given me personally, but also the show for this year. you've You've been a breath of fresh air. It's lovely having you on. So thank you so much. May I echo that? So you've been completely great, Adam. No, thanks very much for having me, guys. It's mad to think I only started this job well a year ago yeah, yeah. on Sunday. Um, but say so you say so I can only thank you for embracing me and having me on so often. And um, and yeah, it's been really enjoyable on my part to to, to take part on this every other week. It seems <laughs> brilliant stuff. Long may it continue. Brilliant stuff. Have a nice time on New Year's Eve. We'll catch up with you again soon, Adam. Right, uh, in a, we're going to have a quick break, obviously, but when we come back, we're going to have Tony Evans doing the opposition view because we're playing Liverpool on Sunday. Who knew? Cheech. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Uh, welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge, of course. Chelsea Fancast preview show on a Thursday, not a Friday. Um, but nevertheless, we're having fun. Jonathan Kidd is with us as always. Lovely to be on the show, Chidge, as always. And of course, the marvellous Dame Whittle. Evening, everyone. Uh, now, as you all know, uh, we have a wonderful thing called the Opposition View. The Opposition View. This week, we have a marvellous guest. This time, it's a Liverpool fan, obviously, but uh, a very well-known Liverpool fan. Uh, not least because you were the editor of the, the football editor for The Times, weren't you, Tony? I was, yeah. And before that, I was actually, uh, I edited Football Monthly, which was owned by Chelsea. So I worked at Stamford Bridge when Ken was there. So I actually worked for Chelsea. Was, Limey, was I that, didn't know that. Was that Charlie Buchan's Football Monthly? Originally. It was, yeah. And yeah, that I was owned, owned by Chelsea, owned by Bates. Yeah, Ken bought it to wow. sell it. And I drove it to death. So, um, <laughs> no, it was, you know, um, yeah, so I, I spent like 18 months working for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Oh. So I have a very complex and conflicted uh, relationship with Chelsea. What, what, what era was that, Tony? What era was that? Uh, that was 97 to 98. Well, very good good time for watching the team, of course. We were just talking about that earlier, that um, Gus Poyet's injury probably cost them the title that year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember Ken calling me down to his office and saying uh, they've been off the swap with Newcastle for... Um, for LeBeuf and, and Flo. And I was like, bite their hands off. And he goes, yeah, journalists know nothing. <laughs> and he didn't. So, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, there you go. We've got the absolutely fabulous Tony Evans, who, apart from everything else, is a liking for ale, like I do, and Pimlico, like I do. So there's a lot of reasons why we should have Tony on the show tonight. Um, <laughs> the, the first, I mean, before we get into the whole Liverpool thing, I just wanted to ask you, Tony, because, I, I mean, I've been following you on, on Twitter for a long time, and, I, and I, I love the way you deal with the the football Twitter trolls. I mean, what, what do you think about Twitter and the football Twitter specifically? Oh, it's pathetic, isn't it? It's <laughs> things to you uh, through the computers that they'd never say to your face. You know, they, they insult you, they say things that are like really despicable and they'd never do it. You know, in, in many ways, I, I preferred the old days when, you know, you go with a match and if you're going to insult someone, you pay the consequences of it. You know, so, you know, you, you have to have a certain amount of decency unless you're a nutter. Um, but no, now all bets are off. And yeah, the, some of the things people say, and they're so stupid. And everyone thinks, of course, they know more than you. They, everyone thinks they know more than actual footballers and managers and and twitter's given them the platform for in the old days it'd be it'd be the the the, the madman at the end of the bar and he'd be talking rubbish and you just ignore him you know just go to the other side of the, the pub and have a drink now it's around allowed all those like-minded buffoons to find each other and gather and amplify the idiocy so yeah so yeah it depends on my mood sometimes i think it's really funny Sometimes I just wish someone would invent a cyber punch and I could just go bang through the computer. I don't blame you. I think we all feel like that sometimes. I do love the way that you deal with them. You 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 basically take no prisoners, and I think that's a brilliant attitude. Um, listen, one of the things I'm, I'm you know, as I said, I'm very glad we got you on today because I mean, you know, certainly Jonathan and I are, are long in the tooth and been around a while, 
and and it's really good to ask somebody like you who's been following Liverpool for as long as you have about I mean because you know recently we're all told that there's this massive rivalry between Chelsea and Liverpool and I think that most of that was stoked between Mourinho and Rafa and of course the fact we played yeah. each other in Champions League but my my memory of Chelsea and Liverpool was that 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 rivalry never existed in the 70s and the 80s so what's your memory of that is is it a bit of a myth this rivalry or some modern you know incarnation well, the, the bridge was always a very hostile place to go. I remember, I think it was 79 and, uh, and 82, there were two games in particular, which was, you know, the, the violence was unbelievable. And there was a bit of to and fro. And it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just Liverpool. It was with Everton. There was the instance uh, with Chelsea fans um, ambushing Everton at uh, Kensington High Street, which led to a big um, graffiti at Lime Street, you know, ordinary to Chelsea. And there was like... But that was like for a couple of years. And I always felt... It was never really us and Chelsea. It was just Chelsea hated everyone. You know, <laughs> you know and, and you certainly hated Leeds more than you hated us, you know. So it was just, so there was bouts of it when, you know, it went up and down, but there was never any real, I never got a sense that there was a real, uh, you know, sort of hatred between the two clubs. And the whole Mourinho Rafa thing felt very artificial. I always despised that song, You Ain't Got No History, which was, how stupid was that? I mean, you know, singing you haven't won a lot of trophies might have been fine, but Chelsea's history is fantastic. Fatty Folk, you know, all that sort of stuff. Ken, the electric fences. <laughs> and, you know, a, a, a magnificent history. And every every club's got a brilliant culture. And it's just, um, you know, a lot being a bit daft with that. And it's kind of, you know, I mean, there's been other times when, obviously, there was uh, times when, you know, the minute silence over at Wembley, over at Hillsborough, got disrupted and you know and that obviously upset uh quite quite a lot of us at our end i don't think there's any real there's no depth to the hatred you know it's a bit like here today gone tomorrow and move on from it i i kind of agree with that i mean i i, I mean i'm interesting to ask these two boys they've been going for a long time as well but i mean my my uh memory going back to the kind of the 80s jk and and dane was that actually we gave the Scousers a, a, a one of the local... I think it was the Adelaide pub, wasn't it? We actually said, no, you can have that pub, which we never did for any away fans. So, you know, that tells me that there was no real rivalry or animosity. I mean, I know you're right, Tony. It was it was, it was a bit... I mean, I was often felt like, a you know, like walking through Beirut on the way to Stamford Bridge back in those days. Yeah, but I have to say that they didn't particularly care about who they, they kicked. They kicked Chelsea <laughs> They used to well, kick you I mean, a lot, I, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I got kicked a lot. I mean, yeah... <laughs> I can understand that, though, to be fair. Yeah, but I've rather foolishly wore my black and white scarf with the Chelsea badge on it because my school colours were black and white. And I thought people would understand. But no, 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 they just saw the black and white from a distance. And they say, there's a Fulham fan, get him! So I'd be chasing down front Stamford Bridge to get to my seat, chased by all these Chelsea fans. I was going, no, I'm Chelsea, rather pathetically in my little fluting fluting schoolboy voice. But uh, no, we just admired Liverpool all the time because they were such a great side i never had any of that that uh the other the side we the team we hated was leeds because of his mm. because of the the uh the appalling violence that took place all the time and also we were drawn against them and uh, uh at the, the 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 nether ends of all the competitions because we were good teams and in the same way that rafa and uh and Mourinho, the reason that there was that rivalry was because we were the best teams in the country so we played against each other all the time it made great sense but i i i've always felt that that was that's always the case if you're playing against top sides frequently i mean how many times did we play have we played them in the last 
There was one season, wasn't there, where we played, it almost felt non-stop when in doubt, you know, the next, we'll draw Liverpool at some stage. But if if you've beaten everybody in your last two teams in the cup, you're going to be playing each other, aren't you? You've avoided each other in the draw. No, so I, 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 I mean, I, when, when particularly when Liverpool were doing well, were in the European Cup, I, I, I wanted them to win because they're representing Britain. They're, so you had a great, you had a great, I mean, I like watching great footballers. I like watching great teams. They had wonderful sides, Liverpool, in that era. There were some absolutely brilliant players. Even going back to the Steve Highway era, I thought I loved Highway personally as a as a player. I don't know why I wasn't a winger myself. I was a I was a gritty fullback. But uh, but nonetheless, I, I, there are certain players you just thought, God, he's a terrific. In fact, um, um, I have a horrible Ron Yates story of trying to get Ron Yates's autograph at the bridge, and I had a big picture of him from Football Monthly, big 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 centerfold, and I went up with my I had this big compendium thing of, of pictures and it was my Liverpool page and I went up and I said can I have, can I have your autograph? little fluting voice again can I have your autograph please Mr Yates and uh, being very polite he said oh you got to get me after the game Sonny and he ran away from me so after the game I went up to him and I said hello Mr Yates they'd won 2-0 I remember I went up to him said there's a picture would you sign it now you said you'd sign it oh you should have got me before the game Sonny <laughs> and he's off and I thought you bus bastard I hate you look at it look I've got this huge picture of you just sign it what's the matter with you but yeah. uh, uh but no I, I you you just admired them for the the that you hoped you'd do well against them I mean when we what was it 65 we we beat them didn't we tambling scored up at um uh, up at Anfield, and that was one of the great, one of the great victories because Liverpool were were, were just a, such a side to beat, and they played such marvelous football. So personally, I've never had the hatred. I've had the, as you say, the "you ain't you ain't got no history" song was just absolutely stupid all the time. But it became a a taunt. It became a a mark of a side wanting the supporters wanting to taunt you because they knew. I I never felt it was too. They were being thick. I think they were just being, you know. Oh, yeah. It's we're, pressing we're, buttons, we're, isn't it? Yeah, we're pressing your buttons here. Yeah, but is. um, um, you know, so I, I, I love, I actually love the rivalry. I went up to Anfield this year to watch it, and it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's great if you can put one over against Liverpool in their home territory because it's, it's such a, a cathedral. It's such an iconic place, and I think Liverpool fans feel the same about coming down to the Bridge. They want to put one over you all the time. I that's think, why. I think it's got. I mean, that's the point, though, isn't it? I mean, my, my, my feelings, Tony, is that. You know, back in the 60s, well, 70s and 80s particularly, you know, Liverpool were the best team in Europe by a country mile for, for yeah. most of those two decades. And we were in the second division for a lot of it. We were absolutely no threat whatsoever. And I think that's possibly why, you know, there was no animosity per se, other than the obvious hooligan oh, issues. And, and, you know, but you go fast forward to the, the noughties and suddenly you know, we're successful and we're competing with Liverpool and they've had a bit of a dodgy spell in the, in the 90s. I can understand how suddenly, you know, envy comes into this, a bit of rivalry develops as a result of that. What do you think? Well, the, the funny thing is, during that period, it's like both sides got what the other really wanted because we wanted to win the league desperately. And Mourinho, obviously, originally sort of approached Liverpool and wanted to go to Liverpool. And then we got Rafa and we won the Champions League and it was like Chelsea would have loved to have won the Champions League. And it was that strange experience of, um, you know, so, so we tended to win the battles, but Chelsea won the wars and won the league. And um, it was a really, that was a brilliant period because, you know, some of those games, I mean, the, the 2000, you know, the 2005 semis at, at both grounds, at, at, you know, amazing atmosphere. 
particularly the you know the one at Anfield because you know the the, the last few minutes there you know the the, the 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 six minutes on the board you know was amazing but you know the, the, they were great games and you know you look at the side that Mourinho put together a fantastic side I think sometimes we we underrate how good that team was um, you know and but again I always felt it was the kind of the kind of rivalry that Liverpool had with. Leeds for a while in the 70s, you know, you're slugging it out with each other and then you stop slugging it out and everyone goes back to normal. The real, the real, you know, the, the festival of hate is always Man United for us uh, and Everton. It's, it's a different kind of relationship, but Everton are, the, you know, the, the big rivals. Outside that, you know, it's, you know, it, it drops off significantly. So, you know, the, the, the Chelsea thing was fun, but I don't think it's left too much of a residual, um, you know, sort of too much of a re- residual ugliness there, if you know what I mean. I, I totally agree with that. I really would. I mean, Dane, you know, we were talking about the 70s and the 80s. I mean, my early memories of, of Chelsea, because, you know, Liverpool were always on the box because football wasn't on it much then and they were on the box for the European Cup finals and all that kind of stuff. My some of my earliest memories of Chelsea, uh, uh, you know, are the, are the great cup wins. You know, when we beat the European champions, Tony, and I think we were in the second division for a couple of those, weren't we? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. seventy-eight and uh, eighty-two for my memory serves, Dane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit before my era. Uh, being brought up, my so what my feelings on Liverpool. Obviously, being brought up in Fulham. Yeah, I was surrounded by uh, Liverpool United supporters in the eighties, and I used to play football for. Brunswick Boys Club, which is off the North End Road in, in Fulham, quite a famous uh, boys club. And they took us, used to take us on away trips. We went up to uh, Anfield, mid-80s. I think we lost 4-2. I remember Gordon Davies scoring, and I think Spackman might have scored for us. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, we got coined by, 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 by once they realised we were Chelsea. Yeah, they, they, they weren't nice to us. <laughs> same sort of thing. I think it might have been the same season. We went to Everton as well away. And I think Gordon Davies got a hat trick, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, but again, like 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 Jonathan said, you know, we, we was no threat to anyone in those days. And there'd be one team in the European Cup and you would actually want them to win. Uh, I remember, you know, wearing a Chelsea football kit to, to, to PE one day at school and you'd swap and one day, you know, you wear this kit today and I'd have, you know, I'd swap my mate who had a Liverpool kit and my mate had a main night kit just to play and pretend and already, there was even an Everton, Everton supporter in there. I went up to Anfield up when we beat him 2-1 with Vinnie, Vinnie Jones scored. I think Wise might have scored a missed a penalty. Uh, yeah, I've never had, uh, there was a little bit of rivalry, but in, in recent, um, last 10 years, I've, you know, I've, I've become... Uh, really friendly with a lovely family from the Wirral, a big family, and you get to meet people. And and there was there's one guy who's part of the family who, who was on that on that awful day in 1989 at Hillsborough, and he was one of the lucky survivors. So you know you you don't that that hatred or that dislike starts to like wilt away, and you just have good chats. And you know I've always found Scousers, Liverpudlians, like really nice people you can have a chat with. And and yeah, this hatred that sort of maybe that. That's come on in recent years, Mourinho and Rafa. Yeah, I sort of ignored because I've always quite, quite liked the Scousers and I find them like really, really quite decent people. Well, I think that's a really good point, actually, Dane. And I mean, you know, Tony mentioned Hillsborough indirectly a minute ago. And of course, uh, on Sunday, we've got the first uh, safe stand, you know, legal safe standing match uh, for anybody because I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trialing it. As I know a few other clubs are, but I know we certainly are. And I mean, the, the reality is, is that anybody who went to football, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, 
you know the, the, the amount of sympathy that they had for, for what happened at Liverpool is I can't even put it into words because everybody knew it could have been them you know because it was awful going to football in those days you were treated like scum by the police you were herded into stadiums like cattle you know and I, I mean I, you know there, there are so many stories that I know of people who said yeah well we went to a game about three or four weeks ago and actually you know what we thought the same thing was going to happen so, you know, I think anybody who really went to football in those days universally think, Christ, that was the, an awful thing to happen and have complete and utter sympathy for Liverpool. So, sorry, I kind of wandered off on a tangent there. But, yeah, what do you think about the fact that we've got the first safe standing match on Sunday? I mean, how, how does that resonate with Liverpool fans? Well, for me, it's brilliant. Um, Ten years ago, um, nearly 11 years ago, I took a... I fronted a... Football Supporters Federation, as it was then, safe stands and roadshow in the sands and, you know, just outside Anfield. And got a fairly hostile reception. Yeah. And I stood there and I said to them, you know what? It's like um, the big lie, one of the founding lies of Hillsborough is that stands and kill people. It didn't. What killed people was complete and utter incompetence by the police and and a badly designed stadium, you know. And, and I said to them, you know what? You, you, you know, any of you criticise me? Well, I stepped over bodies that day, so I'm not having it. And so that's my view on it. I'm absolutely delighted because people will always stand at football matches. And when you're standing in the stands, as you know as well as I do, it's like it, you've got two-foot tripwire in front of you. One of the most dangerous situations that I remember was in that 2005 semi at Stamford Bridge, um, which is talking about, you know, a Champions League semi-final. And, you know, I'm frankly, loads bunked in our end. And uh, it was too crowded. And it was the most dangerous I've felt. I I felt it was more dangerous there than outside Hillsborough. So, you know, so I'm delighted. So you're standing in your own little area. If people are pushing from behind, they're not going to push you over the seats. You know, we've had loads of little injuries. You know, well, actually, some of them not so little. You know, you see people falling over, cuts, bruises. Every one of us who stood, I've got like shins that are wrecked. So I'm delighted. I think it makes football safer. Yeah, absolutely. Dane? Yeah, this is, this, I've, I've obviously spoke about this to, uh, obviously, the family from the Wirral I was talking about, especially the guy, Rich, who, uh, Richie, who, who, who survived Hillsborough. And, and the, the eerie coincidence, and this is in no way a comparison, that same day, uh, we went up, on, obviously, on that fatal day, uh, we went up to Leicester and we had to win to get promoted we was in division two and it's the most uncomfortable i've ever been at a football match so much that i was literally in tears they let too many people in i was on the barrows so as as a lot of the people i was with i had red marks or you know where i kept on being pushed but there's so many people was uncomfortable it was horrible and then to then you know as i said i was trying to be brave like 13 14 i'm not not lamb i was literally crying pretending i'm wiping sweat off my face it was horrible and then to come out and, and really not want to go to a football match again. Uh, and then to find out what had happened, you know, up the road, it was, it was, it was scary and very eerie. And that sort of, that, that day we lost obviously two nil. We didn't uh, play too well, but obviously that, that was irrelevant, but that day, yeah, will, will, will always stay with me. Even though I was 13 and it was like, you know, over, 30, 30 odd years ago, yeah, because of what happened at Hillsborough and because of how how horrible my day was as well. 
Yeah, well, you know, so I'm, I was very familiar at that way end of Filbert Street in those days, and that was a death trap as well. You know, places like Southampton and Norwich, where you were completely, you were completely enclosed. Norwich, yeah. and fences, you know, it's like they were just horrible places to go. And, uh, you know, so we, we've moved on, and it's brilliant that the stadiums are so much safer. I think it, it, it's wonderful. And I actually don't think personally that it affects the atmosphere that, that much. Because I'll tell you what, the bridge, when it's on, is something else. You know, it's a, a really compact ground. You know, it's like, you know, it's a, a really angry fan base. It's fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I, I think stands and, safe stands and will help the atmosphere a little bit, but I don't think it'll make that much of a difference. But I'm, I'm just glad that we won't see people tumbling over seats when goals are scored and the potential for people to be hurt. I think this move is a, a fantastic move forward. Excellent. Yeah, which is exactly, I mean, I've been very, I mean, I'm on the board of the Supporters Trust uh, for Chelsea and have been since 2013 now, Tony, and we've campaigned long and hard with that. And I know a lot of the people who are very involved with it, people like John Darch, who was involved with the FSF back in the day. And it's it's been brought in exactly that. It's because they realised that uh, if it's an all-seated stadium, you can go arse over tit and you can really do some damage to yourself. So it's a, it's absolutely for safety. I'm all for it too. Let's bring it right up to today. Uh, you know, we've got the match at the weekend, obviously. Um, I mean, we're in a real pickle, aren't we? You know, it's almost impossible to predict what's going on because nobody knows what teams we can put out. I mean, we're in a we're in a real state. We've got injuries all over the place. You've got players out with COVID. Tuchel's been moaning about it, you know, all all well for at least the last two weeks. Um, I think it's very interesting, isn't it? Because you know, Klopp uh, is also steamed up about it, quite rightly so. Although I think we've perhaps suffered a bit more than you in some respects. I think you've got more fit players than we have. But he's been he's been sticking up for what Tuchel's been saying. We've got a real issue here in football, I think, haven't we? Um, the players are being ground into the dust. Definitely, and you know what? People think this is a new thing, and it's because of the Christmas period, and it's because of the virus and the pandemic. But it's not really. I remember talking to Klopp uh, about eighteen months ago during the summer, and he was saying, you know, players are getting played too much. The pace is too fast. It takes too much physically out of you. We're demanding too much of the players. And he actually believes this. I, I get that people from outside the big six think, oh, Tuchel and Klopp are moaning because, you know, they want, you know, they want more substitutes. They want b- bigger squads. They want to be able to flex their financial muscles at the expense of the lower teams. But you know what? Everyone forgets that these fellas are human beings, they're simple human beings. And they, 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 they're with other human beings, the players all day, and they can see the impact it has on them. We're playing too much football, particularly the successful clubs at the top, like, for example, the European champions, um, playing too much football. And the players are being asked to do too much. It will shorten careers. Uh, it, it, it has a dip in quality in, in terms of what, what you're watching. But I kind of think that's the least of the arguments. The main thing is the health, the physical, the, the, the health, the physical health of the players. And I think we need to take a, a hard look at what we're doing and how the schedule is running to protect all players, not just those from the best clubs, but from every club. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely right. I mean, I, believe it or not, I had a, had a, a, a Kerry Dixon's become quite a good mate in recent years. And I was having an argument with him the other day because he was coming out with a very old school attitude. Oh, shut up, moaning. We played loads of games when I played, blah, 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 blah. 
all true, of course. I know that. They used to play 60 games in a successful season, particularly Liverpool, because they were always winning stuff. don't know where Kerry ever played 60 games for Chelsea, that's for sure. But um, the point is, is that you're right. Nowadays, it's very, very different. We know more now than we did then. And I think managers... You know, managers like Klopp and Tuchel, are, I would I would call them technocrats in a way. You know, it's all mm. analysis based. It's all stats based. It's all you know. They're all very on top of what's happening with these guys, uh, the players physiologically. So they realise more now about the damage that can be done to players than anybody would have known thirty years ago. So why aren't we listening to them? It's maintaining standards as well, and that they're. Yeah. they're 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 elite teams these and they they've got elite players not saying that that uh, everybody in the premier league's got elite teams but elite players but in this instance they he they both of them have been hugely successful applying these the, the the medical theories and the 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 huge fitness requirements of the players and to have this undermined by people just saying ah you've got a deep squad when they're looking at the readouts and seeing that well i don't play this guy because he's been playing too often and and, and according to to uh, the stats he might get injured and lo and behold he's got injured because he's dealing with absolutely prime fit um i mean at the top of their at the top of their game and they can't afford their own buddies it's like it's like pavarotti you know he only sings three times doesn't he he's a it's they're not there to be cart horses they're not there to be just played and played and played they have to be finely tuned and it's uh, it, it, that's one of the reasons Klopp and Tuchel are so successful. I, th- I think it's really lazy thinking for pe- when yeah people say oh it's the way we've always done it you know it's tradition you know the question we should be asking is is it the best way to do it? And I think the difference you know when you talk to the old players and I mean you know I, I obviously I talk to quite a few of them and yes they, they went through punishing schedules but they, they were probably. It wasn't probably as fast and as physical. It was physical in a different way. But it's, it's, it's the speed and the intensity of it these days, which is different. And I think that makes it much more dangerous for, for their bodies. And, you know, I mean, players have always been disposable to a certain extent. You know, it's a, you know they come and they go and they pass through. I mean, I always recall that, you know, from North Dallas 40, that great quote, when they're doing the contract negotiations, you know, in American football, every time you say to sport, every time I say to sport, you say to business. Every time I say to business, you say to sport. You know, and the, that logic has always applied. So players have kind of, and 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 the, the public have no sympathy. Yeah, oh, they're on that much money. But I'll tell you what, when it doesn't matter how much money you're on, if your knee breaks down, you you know, it it'll shorten your career. It will affect you for the rest of your life. And this is what. If we can, we need to try and avoid. And you know what? If we do avoid it, we'll see better football as a result. Yeah, totally right. I mean, it's, I'm amazed that it's not being taken seriously by. Well, I'm, I'm not amazed at all because we all know it's driven by greed and money. But uh, if yeah. you take that out of the equation, then yeah, they they should really be looking at it. I think one of the main things is it since pressing became the the vogue that to press it requires a huge amount of stamina mm. and athleticism and then to be skillful as well and both teams are based on the press it's it that's that's why how Ch- chelsea won the the champions league last year with this absolutely brilliant way that he forced teams to actually start playing on the touchlines and never never give, giving anybody a, an option for a pass and so the huge levels of fitness required you just cannot keep on committing to that yeah. every single time in a particularly in a period where there is a a, 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 a 
a virus that is killing people and is 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 sapping their strength it's just an absolutely bizarre thing to be doing that's money as i said jk actually it's a good point tony i was going to ask you this actually because i i I kind of had a thought a few weeks ago that you know i mean obviously both klopp and tuchel were at dortmund and uh i kind of wondered if in a way tuchel's trying to to stylistically go the same way as klopp i mean jk mentioned it a minute ago the pressing you know, we've. I know you play with four at the back, and we we play with three. But I mean, the whole our whole system is based on two very good wing backs attacking and providing an attacking outlet. And I think that Tuchel much prefers to have three, you know, very fluid strikers up front rather than dare I say it, Lukaku, who's uh, suddenly broken the news by saying mm-hmm. he doesn't like it this afternoon. But I, I wonder if there's something in that, or if I'm, I'm just overthinking it, maybe. No, there's a lot, there's a lot of similarities there, and you know, it's a uh, Klopp's definitely an admirer of Tuchel, you know, and uh, you watch the way the teams play, you know, rigorously disciplined, and you know, very, you know, if 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 the players don't do what the managers want them to, you know, it's it's almost as entertaining watching Tuchel and Klopp on the sidelines re- reacting with their own players as it is watching the game. You know, they're they're, they're very very conscious. Of the system they want to play, and yet there are tactical tweaks that they, you know they, uh, they they differ that way. But yes, stylistically, it's the same thing. Force the opposition to make a mistake. Force the opposition to give the ball away. Force the opposition to play in areas that they don't want to play in. And one of the things is, and I see a lot of Chelsea being down here. Um, I've probably seen the most of any team this season. Uh, I've, I haven't seen them since it started going wrong. So you can't blame me. I'm not. <laughs> But one of the things that really impressed me about them is that how they punished opposition mistakes. And they've stopped doing that to a certain extent and um, for a variety of reasons, which probably you know better than I do. But they were so, they, they, they were so well drilled and so brilliant at, at, you know, sort of pouncing on the slightest error. I thought they were fantastic. And, you know, yeah, I, I see, see echoes of that, you know, the Klopp teams, you know, it's... Um, that they, they, they make you make a mistake and once you make a mistake, boom, they go for the throat. Mm, yeah, exactly that. They're all over you, aren't they? Look, a couple of quick questions, uh, kind of Liverpool and Chelsea-centric, really. I mean, we're not going to be... A f- I think we're going to lose Mendy to the, uh, you know, to AFCON, but uh, you, I think, who have you got out? You're going to lose Salah, Mane, Matip and Cater, I think, aren't you? I mean, h- how do you think that's going to affect you? Well, I, I think losing Salah will be massive. Yeah. Sure. You know, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's, you know, um, he, you know, there, there is an argument he's been the best player in the world. He's, he's, he's just so that will be uh, huge. Mane's been going through a very, very bad dip in form. Uh, you know, so maybe, maybe the the the, the break away from Anfield will suit him. I don't know, revive him to change it. Um, Kater hasn't really. He's never really imposed himself on the team, so I think. Yes, it'll it'll the, 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 obviously the squads won't be as strong, but I certainly think there's enough players there, and we've seen during the coronavirus issues and the, the, lately we've seen players come in and perform well. I don't think it's going to be an excuse. You'd rather have the players there, but you know, it's um, outside Salah. I don't think it's going to be you know one of those things where you just go, oh, you know, we're, we're we're screwed for the whole of January. I think um, I think the you know, no matter what some fans might claim, there is a decent enough squad there to cover for them till they come back. And of course, most of the games in January for Liverpool will be either League Cup 
or FA Cup. So, you know, um, he can mix and match and make do. Yeah, I mean, it's just, we just don't know, do we? I mean, I mean, it's an interesting stage, really, isn't it? You know, City have gone eight points clear of of of, of us, I think, isn't it? They're, they're what seven mm. clear of you, and no, hang on, it's us, isn't it? We're in second. I forgot completely. Um, we seem to be on a bit of a well, we, well, we've had a terrible December in some respects, but I'm I'm refusing to give up on the prospect of a title. I really do. I think that if we can get everybody back fit, I think we're a match for anybody. But you know, is it is it a three way race still, Tony, or can you see it? You know, being just a two-horse race between you and and City, or will City run away with it? I've always thought in, in this, particularly in this pandemic year, that it, City are going to win the league. You know, no matter what, they've got the, the strongest squads. Even though they've got less bodies than Liverpool and Chelsea, it's still the strongest squad. And I, I, but you know what? You can't tell in this environment. Because we've just, you know, we've seen how December's been disrupted. Who knows the way January is going to go? And you know what? Even the best sides, even the ones with the strongest first 11s in particular, have dips. And you can't play with the intensity that City play for the entire season. They will. They'll lose a couple of games. It's not over. And I, I mean, we do get a bit hysterical. And this includes the media as well. You know, we all live like, you know, the... the you know, so, so we live in the moment and we forget the past and we can't see the future and say, oh, the title race is over. You know what? We haven't even hit New Year yet. The title race isn't over. There'll be twists and turns. And the two teams equipped to challenge City, obviously Chelsea and Liverpool. And so, and I think that they will, and obviously we're both going to play them. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot tighter when it comes. But the problem is with City and what's happened there at the Etihad's, which you know, so say, which is a discussion for a different day. <laughs> I mean, they're in a position that no club has ever been in, not even Chelsea when Abramovich yeah. took over, the two to dominate for a decade and to to basically turn, you know, to buy a Munich eyes, if that's a word, this league, they're in that position. Yeah. And it'll take an awful lot of intelligent management and intelligent work from you know behind the scenes from owners and, and, and to, to stop that happening. So, but Liverpool and, and you know, and at the moment, Chelsea are the best equipped to do it. Yeah. And, you know, so if, if United get their act together, they should be able to challenge because they've got, they haven't got endless resources, but they've got huge amounts of resources. So I, I, I'm not going to write off either this season or the next decade to City because, you know, you've, you've got to shoot to challenge the best teams and, as I say, in particular, Chelsea and Liverpool have the best opportunity to bring them down. Absolutely, and of course, the other thing is this is the English. This is English football, so you've got you know it's a marathon, not a sprint. You've got a lot of games, and you can't take any opposition lightly. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, it's not La Liga where you can just wallop most of the teams in there if you're any good. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to try and give you a game here, and I think that's actually what makes it the best league in the world. Um, Tony, really, we've got to ask you about what, how you think it's going to go on Sunday. I mean, we have no idea because this is where we are at the moment, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I just have a feeling it's going to be a draw. It's um, it's one of those things, if Liverpool come up the traps fast, score early, you know, it's um, you know, th- there is a possibility they could go on and win well. But we've seen what Chelsea do well, especially under Tuchel. You know, even when it looks like they're in trouble, they hang on, you know, they, 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 they stay in the game. And when you stay in the game, you'll get something out of it. 
and often, um, and, and Chelsea are very, very good. It doesn't matter what players Tuchel puts out, he will have them set up to stop Liverpool's best attributes. So I think it'll be a fairly exciting draw. I think there'll be goals. I don't think there'll be that many goals, but I can imagine it being 1-1. Okay, I, 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 I'm I, very worried that we might get whooped, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm agreeing with you in a sense because I think, uh, you know... It's kind of a result that will suit neither of us. So, therefore, I can understand why that might happen. Yeah, <laughs> if you exactly. see what I mean. Listen, Tony, before I let you go, you've been very generous with your time. I've got to ask you this, because I know that you were in the horn section for the, for the farm. It were a great band back in the day. How on earth did that come about? Well, I, 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 got, I got suspended from college for a year, you know, for, um, for being a bit of a dick. And uh, so I had nothing to do with it. So in those days, you could sign on when you're suspended. So I thought, well, signed on. And I thought, well, what can I do? And really, the, the reason I got suspended was the fault of me made to go into an altercation with the rugby club. And I didn't. But I kind of got some of the collateral blame. But he was a trumpeter with the uh, Liverpool Schools Orchestra. So I said to him, all right, I want to learn to play the trumpet. Like, have you got a spare trumpet? You got me You got me suspended. Give me a trumpet. So he did. So I, I got that trumpet. Um, Tuna de Buhuan and started, you know, it's um, and anyway, I was on the um, I was in the scoreboard end at Old Trafford and with, with this this lad, and we saw Peter Hooten, the lead singer of the farm, and he knew we may play the trumpet. And he said, Do you want to um, do, do, do you want to come and practice with us? So he said, Oh, yeah, yeah, go do it tomorrow. Points to me and goes, He plays as well for a section. So I'm like, You what? I'm still on Tuna de Buhuan. <laughs> go to the practice next day, he said, Brilliant. You're in the bands. Uh, like two weeks later, playing live at the Masonic in Liverpool in front of six people, and you know, so first time live. <laughs> and then as as we're leaving that night, he, uh, he goes to me, "Oh, we're supporting the Style Council at the Empire in two weeks." So next month, I'm supporting the Style Council. I'm still on tune at a book one, and you know, and but you know, the doors open. Walked through it. You know, it's um, what 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 can you do except fail horribly? <laughs> I mean. And it was a laugh. It was great. Um, I moved on to the trombone. I was a better trombonist. I was a trumpeter. wasn't a very good trombonist. But, like, uh, but you know, great days. And we were one of the few bands at the time in the early 80s that appealed to football fans. Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we, wherever we played, there was always mobs of, you know, young scallies there, you know. And that was brilliant, you know. To, I remember playing the Greyhounds in Fulham. Oh, what a night, you know. And it's, um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it was brilliant. It's right. now empty, the Greyhound in Fulham. Have you seen that? It's It's I got a, an advertisement on the front for a, an Indian restaurant, but that's about it. That's depression. It's, it's like pubs. Too many gig venues have gone down as well as pubs. Final, final question, because I can't resist. I mean, you know, how much fun was it being the football editor of the Times? Oh, it was great. It was brilliant. I mean, you know, because I had a very good set of boys and, and, and they were superb. And, you know, it's... Um, I, I, you know, I was off of space most of the time. But on the big nights, you make the decisions what's going on, on the back page. You make the decisions on the coverage. And, you know, you live or die by those decisions. And sometimes no one believes you're right. But, you know, it's like one of those things. And it was just it was just fun. You know what? You're getting paid to watch football, to read about football, to talk to footballers and people in the game. And you know, it's better than real work. 
<laughs> We're too nah. right. I've done real work. Don't want to go back to it. No, quite <laughs> right. No, it's 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 wonderful. It's it's a real privilege, isn't it? Tony, you've been nothing short of absolutely fantastic. It's 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 been delightful having you on the show. I'm so glad we got you on and, and I'm very much looking forward to having a pint or three with you in the cask. That'd be brilliant. Um, now, normally, I, uh, you know, for the opposition view, I always say, well, I wish you huge luck for the season, but obviously not on Sunday. So I'm going to do the same. Yeah, well, you know, it's, um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I wouldn't expect you to wish us any luck. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> you know, one of the fun things about football is that, you know, you can wish, well, minor bad things on people like losing, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, and there's plenty of people that, you know, I hope they don't do well this season, but actually... Yeah, you know, I, I quite like a lot of the people at Chelsea. One of the interesting things about Chelsea, just to finish off, is that you know people talk about the Abramovich takeover and they say, oh, it's a different club than it used to be. And never have people been more wrong. Yeah. You go there, and I go there to the game, I go into the press area, and so many of the people I used to work with a quarter of a century ago are still there. It's a club that understands its culture and has kept the people who don't understand that culture and and I say outsiders don't re- realize that, but as I say, it, it is a place that I have very complicated feelings about, and 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 some affection to be fair. So you know, it's a uh, you know I don't wish you the pain and misery as wish on some other clubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know who that might be. Tony, we're going to let you go because you've been way too generous with your time. It's been really appreciated, and as I said, I hopefully will catch up with you sometime soon. Definitely, lovely speaking to you, chaps. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. There you go. Tony Evans there, uh, somebody I've been wanting to get on the show for a very long time. We're going to have a quick break and then we'll be back with our preview of the Chelsea-Liverpool match. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Football Fancast. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stanford Chidge, and uh, I'm joined by the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And also the lovely Dane Whittle. Yeah, evening. Still getting over the previous with Tony Evans. Absolutely brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Lovely bloke. I mean, as I said, I've been meaning to get him on the show for a long time and he, he didn't disappoint. He knows his onions, the Tony, and he's a good bloke. So uh, And he's good to have a beer with, by all accounts. So I look forward to catching him up on that. Right, we've got to have a, a bit of a chat now, really, about um, the fact that we are playing Liverpool on Sunday. And you know what I normally do, JK, at this time of the day? Um, you have a beer. No, I'm already, I've already been doing that since the show started. Uh, of course you have. And number two? Um, we uh, we look at the possible team selection. Well, we do, and and, and this week um, I, I have no idea. All right, so this is what I've gone for. Uh, I've kind of gone for who's fit, and who you know. But I mean, Lord only knows. Mendy, Rudiger, Chaloba in the middle because Silver's out, obviously, as we know. Christensen's out. Aspilicueta, because I think those are basically our only three fit defenders. Uh, Alonso on the left. Uh, well, I mean, the only fit... Well, I mean, Jorginho I've put in and Kovacic because I just don't think he'll risk Kante, but who knows, he might do. Uh, because James is out, I've put Hudson-Odoi as the right wing-back because he cannot, in all good conscience, put Pulisic as right wing-back again. I mean, you could make a very good case. We didn't talk about it earlier. But he was the one that was culpable for, for Brighton's goal because he didn't, 
he didn't go out and, and close down the space. He just let the bloody Caraca or whatever his name is cross the ball. He didn't do anything at, uh, <laughs> at uh, right wing back, let's be honest. Yeah. I got slightly told off that apparently his stats were the same as everybody else for giving the ball away. But what I should have said was uh, um, it wasn't just that he gave the ball away, it was that Jesus didn't actually really tackle anybody either. He just is not... He's not good enough to play right wing back. And to be fair to him, that's not his position. So, you know, and we are forced to have this happening. It just was that he was also profligate, as were they all last night. You know, so. But we can put Hudson Adoy there because he's done, you know, he's done a job for Tuchel there in the past. So I've stuck him there. And then up front, uh, I've gone Mount, uh, you know, and I've gone Pulisic because you know he's better up front. I mean, I think that the way the way they like to play it is two behind Lukaku, and I've put Lukaku in again. I mean, Lukaku's on good form, irrespective of the stuff that he's just come out with, which, as we now know, was three weeks ago. Blah 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 blah. Last two games, he's been excellent, and I think we look much better with a striker. So I, I would be quite happy if that was the lineup. And I don't, I don't. We we know Werner's out. We know Havertz was on the bench, but I don't think he's fully fit. And we know Ziyech is around, so maybe they might get a look in, but who knows? That's what I would go with, JK. I think he might play Ziyech. Just because Pulisic has uh, um, he's, he's looked a bit knackered. Perhaps if Ziyech's had this rest, he might give him a go. Just as an option to get the ball into Lukaku. It'd be very interesting to see what he does with Lukaku. Because Lukaku, on fire as he is, is a very different proposition. I mean, I actually, we're now seeing what we paid 95 million for, um, who's uh, uh, brilliant at bullying, brilliant at holding players off, brilliant at timing runs for headers. He scored two very good headers in the last two games he's played. My my fear is Alonso will be completely taken to the cleaners by Terence Trent Derby. So um, uh, let's hope Jorginho is less tired. Let's hope they're all less tired. Uh, I think that we may have yes, if uh, it might be an interesting similar clash between Rudiger and uh, and Terence Trent, just because they're in the same line. And if he plays Alonso further and further up, as he did, um, uh, as he did against uh, Brentford, um, I reckon uh, uh, he may almost be being a winger. It will be done to Rudiger actually dealing with um, with uh, Terence Trent thingy. So. Um, but yeah, that that is the. I think that's all that's left, isn't it? I, I'm I'm. I mean, he played Kante for how long? Did about twenty minutes, and he looked he looked pretty good, looked pretty decent. He came on, and we thought that he would actually prevent them from scoring. But I I, I reckon he might um, he might start with Jorginho and Kante actually. But otherwise, who else is there, Chidge? Who else? Well, this star, Sar could play, but he's. Well, I've, you know. I've done. I've done. A, I've done. As you will know, if you read my notes, because I. I've, there, I've, I've, I've seen. I've yeah, seen. I'm quite intrigued by. Well, I want to talk about this in a minute, actually, about the solution to this, because I think we are. We've hit a. We've hit a breaking point. It's my view, but my fit eleven would be, and when I say fit, uh. I think that there are there are, there are several categories at the moment. I mean, it's from my recon, recole, recollection, the injured players are Silver, Christensen, James, Chilwell, and Cheek. The sick players are Werner. They're not fully fit, as in they're coming back from injury or coming back from sickness. Are Kante, Chaloba, Lukaku, Jorginho, Kovacic, Hudson Odoi, Ziyech, and Havertz. So that leaves the fit players as Mendy, Kepper. Rudiger, Aspie, Alonso, Mount, Pulisic, Saul, Barkley, Saar, of which Rudiger, Alonso and Mount, I think, badly need a rest. 
So you could put a, a fit 11 out, which would be Mendy, Aspie, Saar, Rudiger, Pulisic, Saul, Mount, Alonso, because I've had to put him back in midfield, Barkley, Hudson, Adore, and Lukaku. That's where we are at the moment. If you put it like that, it doesn't, doesn't half say a lot. That's a, that's a five nil, isn't it? That one. Yeah. Yeah, it's Chelsea. <laughs> but you see why I'm worried about us getting whooped. I think the potential there at the moment, if, if you if you if you take account of the illnesses, the injuries, the absences, and the physical and mental exhaustion of those who are left because they have been overstretched, it is a massive worry. Mm, it's an imbalance. Yeah, I I agree with you totally regarding Callum Hudson Odoi at wing back. And I have Mount and Jorginho being rested. And I have Ziyech in. And I have Pulisic in. I feel a bit sorry for Pulisic. You know, you don't need to tell me about Pulisic. I've been watching the US men's team since the late 80s. I know he's, you know, left wing, right wing in a 4-3-3 in a or a left, uh, left midfield, right midfield in a 4-4-2. Sometimes USA try to play him as a number 10. Uh, and I feel sorry for him a bit, but... You know, on the other hand, he can still trap a ball. He can still pass. It's not as if he's never played football in his life. So when he's played out of position, he can still do the basics, which he was sort of failing to do. But I can see both sides. But I think he deserves a chance to play, you know, in his favoured, sort of favoured position. Uh, And Lukaku, yeah, when you've got Lukaku up front, you've got a chance. He was, Brighton did a good job on him, you know, bit of the art. The dark arts. They did do a good job on him. And I thought sometimes our players were not close enough to him uh, to, to support him when he when he did sort of hold the ball up. But yeah, this game. Well, when you got Lukaku, I think Zayek. You know, he, if he's if he's if his radar is in for passing, then it, you know Lukaku will be could be on fire and could be getting a few chances. And sometimes in previous weeks, you know, you've got to find Lukaku, and I think Zayek will given the chance. So I'd go Ziyech, Pulisic and Lukaku up front and I'd, I'd take the risk with Kante, Kante and Cover in the middle. Mm, interesting stuff. I mean, the thing is, boys, um, you know, my, my, my conclusion at the end of the game last night was that really, I mean, you know, Tuchel's been trying to juggle things. He's trying to be a bit of an alchemist recently, you know, trying to, you know, navigate a very tricky period and, 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 and manage a very difficult situation. But I have to say, I'm not entirely convinced, having seen us play against Brighton last night, that this make-do-and-mend policy of playing unfit players is actually working. And I just wonder if there's a number of options that we need to consider going forward. I mean, obviously too soon for, for Sunday, but, you know, could should should and could we recall some of the loanees? Should and could we be playing some of the youth players? I mean, you know, I thought Simons did all right against Brentford as a, as a wing-back the other day. For example, do we have to think about maybe a system change? Because maybe we don't have... I mean, you know, we've now lost Chilwell and James. Don't try and tell me that we're going to play with Alonso and Aspie as our wing-backs for the rest of the season and even contemplate competing in the way that we have hitherto. Uh, maybe there are some emergency buys in the transfer window that we have to consider. No, loans would be preferable, wouldn't they? Whatever. Get some bodies in. I mean, or a combination of all of that. I mean, I just want to kick the ball rolling, JK. Tell me what you think. Um, I, I, as I think as I said at the beginning of the show, he said he was happy with the, the team and he didn't want to buy anybody in the transfer window because it would ruin the spirit. But this is a completely different this set is an of emergency. Set. This is an emergency. This is a completely different set of circumstances. He's now completely light on the left-hand side. 
Um, uh, I don't know what their deal is with Emerson, whether it's, uh, you know, they can recall him after six months or whether they have the same clause that if he plays all season, uh, if he's played over 21 games or something, he carries on playing for the club. I don't that's the that's the situation with Gilmore and uh, and Conor Gallagher. So they won't be, be coming to play for us. Um, but, they asked uh, a question for Emerson and, and, and Leon said no. That's what, I think that's what the rumours today were, were out from quite respectable I mean, I'm, I, I personally, I, I, it's such a stopgap because Emerson, Emerson, despite having won the European, um, the European Championship, it, to me, was is, is never as dynamic as required. He's not even as dynamic as Alonso. Um, he's a decent defender, but uh, and he scored a decent goal against Krasnodar, I remember, but um, he always frustrated the, the, the bollocks out of me. I just couldn't believe... <laughs> that he, uh, um, the number of times he'd get into a position where he needed a decent cross and he would play the ball sideways. Um, so I, I, I would prefer it if they went for somebody who was available, but then where is it? Is it somebody that he wants to get who will be long-term, that he would consider being somebody who might then challenge for a first-team place? I, we, are, we are not party to the, to the mind of the great Tuchel in this instance. We can speculate and we can go via Twitter and apparently Dina is involved, but now somebody said United are after Dina. Oh, are they really? But then that's just, you know, Twitter coming in with someone else to say, don't think you've got it all to yourself, Chelsea. We've got somebody, you know, somebody is from our club is interested in you getting this guy. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know who the players are. I think somebody might come in left field. Um, uh, but I think they definitely need to buy a couple of players, yes, because um, it, it's being revealed to me, even if you were to look at the midfield, that that Kante cannot keep getting injured all the time. And whether you get somebody not as good just to wait for the six months till next season starts, however long it is, but you need somebody as cover. Um, uh, I mean, because that, uh, I mean, even from a centre-half point of view, you could say Chalabar, covers covers up well but if if Christensen is on the naughty step and isn't giving 100% perhaps you should start trying to get Kunde in now if they can buy him who is is and even with Rudiger as well is a is is a shithouse player of the first order is that <laughs> image of him throwing the ball at uh, Jordi Alba when all around the, twi the Twitterverse was was a fantastic moment also he's built like an absolute shithouse isn't he Kunde <laughs> and clearly a top player um so uh perhaps you Perhaps you, he bites the bullet and with Marina, they go and buy a couple of players who will be challenging for a first team place. But the other option is, you said, do they change the system? Do they try, start to play in a different way? Does he have two up? Well, the two up would be great if he could play with uh, um, play with Werner. But, you know, Werner's ill. So perhaps the alternative is to play with Havertz as a as a as a double striker. Um, but Havertz has been injured. So uh, Havertz has had. Sorry, he's had COVID, isn't he? So there is there are so many what ifs at the moment. But to answer your question, I would definitely make a couple of purchases, and I would purchase decent players rather than stop gaps because I think we've had too many stop gaps in the past that the club has just had. You know, the the Zappacostas and the uh, um, the drink waters. We want to get rid of that era of the club if that's possible. I couldn't agree more, J.K. What about you, Dane? Well. If you're overreacting, and I'm not saying that as a negative, you're possibly looking at four signings. Uh, you know, wing-backs is so essential to Tuchel's 3-4-3 system. And 
you think about loanies, who's out there, who can we recall? I don't know how well Dujon Sterling's been playing on loan this season, but he knows the system. He had the whole summer under Tuchel and a few friendlies. Obviously, Luca Dina. And, and as JK rightly said, you know, if we're going to overreact, you, you could see us needing a way it's going, a centre midfielder and, uh, and, and a centre-back. You know, if Christensen's head is in Barcelona due to the rumours, uh, then we could we could we could need up to four players, but two of them at the top is a is a right wing back and a left wing back. Yeah. It's I mean it you know the the difficulty I mean we've got so many should I tell you who we've got on loan at the moment? And it won't take an hour. I I will ignore <laughs> I'll, I'll ignore the goalkeepers, all right, just to make it easier. Ampadu, Castillo, Clarksall to Palmieri, Colwell, Lawrence, Matson, Miazga Baba Rahman, bloody hell. Dujon Sterling in the defenders. Tino Angerin, Timmy Bakayoko. Let's bring Timmy Bakayoko back. We've had a great song about him. Uh, I've always loved the syllables because it always leads to a song, doesn't it? Timmy Bakayoko. Tierno Ballo, Danny Drinkwater, Conor Gallagher, Billy Gilmore, and up front, Armando Brogia, Batshuayi and Kennedy. So we've got a ton of players on loan, but... As J.K. said, you know, the the deal may be that they we can't recall them. You know, I, I wonder, I mean, look, just to kind of, you know, draw together what you've both been saying, I totally agree with you, J.K. I think, and it would go against what this club has been about for the last couple of years. You know, they, they target players specifically, and then they work on it and work on it and work on it until they can get them. Um, and we know that they've been after Kwande and Chiumini is another one. So, you know, if we're going to buy players, I think we have to buy players that they've really decided they want and they've targeted. We can't buy stopgaps. We can't buy any more bloody Danny Drinkwaters and Timmy Bakayoko's or Baba Ramans. That 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 way madness lies. So let's just fast forward a bit. Let's say they can't get the targets that they want, which mid-season is highly probable, I would have thought. Kornde and Chiumani, I know, have been talked about. Then if you can't do that, I really think they need to you know this this look we could we could be a bit over dramatic here and we could say you know what maybe this season's fucked you know maybe it's just too much we cannot with, withstand all of these injuries that are happening you know we all know what it's like we lose to liverpool on sunday and i pretty much do think that's the title gone so maybe we 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 focus our shift somewhere else so maybe it's an ideal opportunity to bring some of these youth players in that wouldn't otherwise get a chance you know, and we've got some pretty decent youth players, as I said. I mean, you know, I thought um, I thought Simon did all right the other day at wing back, for example. But uh, you know, who else have we got? Soonsuk Bell. I know he's a forward, uh, but we've got uh, Harvey Vale. Of course, did very well. You know, George McEachran's, uh, you know, still playing there. Uh, I mentioned Xavier Simmons. You know, we've got this Umboyamba lad who came over, didn't he, a couple of years ago, who's highly rated as well. Um, you know, so why don't we uh, just kind of promote some of the youth, you know, because at least they're going to get some experience. At least they're going to be inculcated into what it's like to play the first team. And I mean, look at Trevo Chaloba. He came from nowhere in the summer and he has not let us down once, I don't think. So maybe that's—I mean—that's what teams normally do in a time of crisis. They bring a, you know, bung a few youngsters in to, you know, sink or swim. It's not like we're going to be playing a whole team of them, is it? What's happened to the uh, the, the the new Van Dyke, that Dutch centre back who had had that terrible injury, but he's now had that's three m- or four. Umbayamba. Umbayamba. Oh, so I thought you meant the uh, the striker, uh, the Norwegian striker. Sorry. 
Uh, yeah, but he, he wasn't involved in, in the Brentford game, not even on the bench, which nope. was a quite a surprise I considering know. how much they highly rate him. I know. I mean, it is a very testing time and I, and I have huge sympathy with Tuchel because I, I, we all know how much he likes to win and he must be doing his Sweden knowing that, it, you know, every week that goes on, the, you know, the injury stroke COVID circumstances are scuppering, you know, his his chances of winning a lot of stuff because I, I genuinely believe Tuchel's the kind of manager that goes into a season, he wants to win everything. He's not going to cherry pick like a lot of managers do. He, he goes, no, I want it all. I want the Caribou Cup. You know, the Grand National, the World Cup, you name it. You know, he, he wants everything, you know, and it must be absolutely doing his Sweden. But the reality is, I mean, it may be too late by Sunday. We may get whooped by Liverpool, and I do think that really does mean the title's over. You, you know, the optimist in me says maybe not, but who knows. But, you know, we've still got to reach top four. And I still think, you know, if we can't win the Premier League title, then maybe go all out to win the Champions League again. I mean, the Premier League is a very, very, very hard competition stroke league to win it's an absolute it's an ordeal you know 30 you know the, the the table never lies at the end of the season if you win the premier league you've deserved it because it's a marathon much actually easier in some respects to go and win the champions league which is still effectively knockout football you know we won it by shit housing last year shutting shop at the back and nicking goals and we won so maybe focus on that i'll tell you what you know if for us to win back-to-back champions leagues would be massive maybe we do that who knows? But something's got to change, whether it's the system, you know, adapting the players that we've got left to a system that works, whether it's bringing in youth, where it's recalling loanees, or whether it's buying some targets, not stopgaps. I agree with JK. But I think something has to change. And I worry that Tuchel's a wee bit stubborn, I have to say. But anyway, never mind. I think, I think he's more likely to go with the youth idea, actually, Chidge. Yeah, well, I hope so. I would, I would be really happy with that because I think, see, the thing about that, JK, if we do that, there's possibly a long-term benefit that we might not have had. Yeah. Look at Chaloba's the great example, I think. But, you know, we can only speculate. Well, we speculate to accumulate, mate. The only worry, I suppose, with, it's a good example, Chaloba, he had, apparently he had, by all accounts, two very good loans uh so he had that, you know, he learned his trade a little bit. You know, I know it was in the championship. I think it was at Ipswich. I don't know if it was in Division One or the championship. And then had a good spell in, in France last year. So he's got that experience. Uh, yeah, bringing in the youngsters, they won't have that experience yet. But potentially, you know, if it comes off, wow, you know, we could be unearthing. Some, we know how talented, you know, the levels are at Chelsea, we could be unearthing, you know, future and saving us even more money. It is a risk, but we're in a situation now where they've got to make a decision very quick. Either we're going for signings, loans, or, yeah, the youngsters are coming through. Or maybe it's a bit of both, you know, if we're going to sit on the fence. It, it is a real, a real, real pickle because, you know, we know it could go one of two ways. I, I just don't see Chelsea as a club that will sit there and go, Oh well, never mind. We'll write off this season and uh, just do what you can, and we'll we'll blood a few youngsters because we might get a benefit. I just that you know, it's all about finishing top four because it's all it's all wrapped into the business model. And also remember that Chelsea posted a hundred and fifty six million loss this week because of the lack of uh, match day revenue from last season. So you know, I, I mean, I know that we've got Roman bottomless pit, bloody bloody blah, but that that matters actually. It does matter. So. They don't want to lose money by not finishing in the top four and getting in the Champions League. But conversely, how how likely will they be to spend a lot of money, 
you know but it could go either way it could be we really want to win shit so let's not fuck about so let's go and blow 100 million on getting some good play- because you're right dane you know we've we, we've effectively lost uh chilwell and james for the rest of the season by the looks of it we've lost the two pl- you know we, we we talked about the juventus game earlier on and the leicester game and i agree with you that, that i think that was the best i've seen us play under tuchel and the fulcrum of that are our two magnificent wing backs everything started to click and work and we've now lost the absolute fulcrum of Tuchel's way of playing in his system. So what do you do to sort that out? I'm, I'm being ridiculous. You have to buy. He has to buy big for those two players alone because they are they are the fulcrum of the side, those two. And, and Alonso, Alonso is not is, is decent, but he's not where, anywhere near Chilwell. And, uh, uh, and so they, it is essential that there are two wing backs who are not Dave and Alonso. Really, let's be honest. I mean, it, it, it it's well, you know, if I it's hard to take a, a step back and be objective because we're all so passionately involved in it. But if one was to take a step back and be objective, it is a it is an interesting and a rare conundrum that we find ourselves in, which I do think we've encapsulated pretty well there. If I do say it myself, it'll be very interesting to see how it pans out from here. But I tell you what, you know, whatever happens, and I just the, the piece that I wrote for CFC UK is. Four square behind Tuchel. I mean, none of this is of Tuchel's making at all. And I think he's doing an unbelievably good job trying to stick a Band-Aid all over the... He's a, he's a bit like the bloke with his finger in the dike. Don't take that the wrong way. Uh, but it's very, very difficult. In the Van Dyke. In the Van Dyke. I'd like to stick a finger in Van Dyke. It's probably his eye. But anyway. Um, anyway, yeah, we should talk about the Liverpool game. And I mean, I have to say, as I said earlier on, you know, just seeing what I saw uh, last night... I sat there watching that match all the time thinking, oh my God, we could get absolutely humped by Liverpool on Sunday. Uh, are you worried, JK? Um, yes and no. You know, I uh, they might just pull something out of the bag because they're champions of Europe, you know. They've, they've, um, uh, he may, he may a- a- attempt something to, to nullify some of their players. Um, I, 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 it's a question of which team will turn up. I think if they're as knackered as they are, as they were against Brighton, um, who swamped them um, and played better than us, it was there was a very similar moment. I don't know if you remember um, against. Um, I don't know if it was Malmo. Um, uh, who was the other team we played in the Champions League? Um, who, who, who didn't qualify? Um, Zenit. When Zenit played pretty well, where they they suddenly started bossing us. And he said he was very worried about that because that wasn't what he was used to with this side. And I think he's good at, at, at pointing out deficiencies and rectifying them. And it may be that he works out what the problem was with this week because we allow Brighton to boss us too often and, uh, and, and make some good moves. He doesn't like that. He likes us imposing upon them as we did against Villa. And uh, uh, he may just tweak a little bit and just say, no, it has to be this side. That's why I think Kante will start, actually, because I think he's essential for that. Um, and he'll, he'll specifically get him to stop players from playing. Um, so I, 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 I'm just going in expecting what we'll get, and I think a draw is the more likely outcome. But I, I, I don't think we're going to get whooped. I don't think that's likely. What do you reckon, Dane? Are you worried? Just quickly... Uh... Uh, sorry, going back to what we just finished, uh, the encouraging performances from the three youngsters who played away at Brentford 
does give me encouragement if they did go you you know you forget how adapted they were playing against a good Premier League team in Brentford and how comfortable they looked but uh, no, I it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? I'm 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 the typical Chelsea supporter who only ever sees wins. Uh, I can in, even even in the you know our predictor league that we do. Maybe if it's away at Liverpool, I'll I'll do a draw. But I'm always predicting Chelsea to win sh- stupidly. Uh, but this time, I think I'll be happy with a draw. Uh, it was either in our WhatsApp group that we're in or on Twitter. I did see, you know, someone did correctly say that Brighton outfought us with the F uh, and outfought us with the TH. Uh, and, but I think you know what you get with Liverpool. Uh, I didn't think they expected Brighton to dominate us as much, especially in midfield, but he will know how to play against Liverpool. Uh, he will know what, what, what they will do. It's just whether they surprise us a little bit, you know, after playing Man City three times in a row and I am I fought comfortably beating them. They did a job on us earlier on in the season and Guardiola got his tactics and team, you know, spot on. And that surprised Tuchel, I think. I don't know why he thought they'd play the same way after three defeats against us. It's just if Klopp tries to come up with something smart, I'll be happy with a draw. Obviously, I'm, 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 having said that, I'm going to predict a draw in in our league. But with Lukaku, you've got a chance. And if everyone's on, on their game, like, you know, Tony Evans said, Tuchel's a very, very smart man and he has them all. Singing off that hymn sheet, then, yeah, we, we, we might get lucky and scrape a 2-1. Mm. I think it's, it's it's you know, again, it's very difficult to call. We don't even know who's likely to start. I, th- I think the one thing that really pisses me off and I think clearly pisses Tuchel off is that we all know that if you've got our best 11 out, we are a match for anybody in the world. You know, if we we have our best 11 starting week in, week out, I, I would give us a massive chance to win this league. But if you've got the injuries and the illnesses and everything else, and now the compounding of the injuries by overplaying that we've got, I think we're in a, we're in a really difficult situation, a very dicey situation. Uh, and what I would also say is that we've got a pretty abysmal record uh, against Liverpool at home in the last six years. In fact, we've only won once in our last seven matches. And that was back in 2018 when we beat them 1-0. But we we lost last season 2-0. We lost 2-1 the season before that. We drew 1-1 before that. Then we won 1-0. Then we lost 2-1 and 3-1. And, and then we drew one all. So it's, I mean, we've been quite good up at Anfield, as we all know, but uh, we've been on the wrong side of it down here. I mean, not that that, not that that necessarily means anything, but it's just worth pointing out. I mean, I think given given what happened last night, given the injuries and the illnesses, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I, I, I just don't feel I can predict a win. But I, 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 I hear what Tony said, and I, I you know, the, what we both know is that neither of these managers will want to lose this match because. You know, I do think it, it it's 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 pretty dire if we do in terms of the the chat uh, the title uh, the title and Liverpool need you know they don't want to be like you know eleven points behind City so I could see a draw I could see a one one J K perhaps they're as knackered as we are though Chidge because they, <laughs> they, they they lost during the week didn't they well their their form you know there's this myth isn't it that gets built up you know City have been brilliant they've won their last ten games okay they are they are stretching away Liverpool. You all think, oh yeah, they. I mean, we know this because of the Prem Predictions League. We all put three or four goals every week for Liverpool. It's rubbish. Their last five games, they lost to Leicester one nil, outdone, outfoxed by uh, Brendan Rodgers, basically. 
Uh, they drew three all with Leicester in the Caribou Cup at home, and they were three one down at one stage. So they only got through that on penalties. They drew against the shittest Tottenham we've seen forever, uh, two all. You know, Conte hadn't really... We- that was the first game that Conte really had an impact, I think, on Spurs. And they drew two all. They what? They they beat Newcastle 3-1. But I think, you know, a team with you, me and Dane in it could beat Newcastle 3-1. Uh, and, uh, and they only beat Villa by 1-0 the other week. You know, so I don't think that they're in spectacular form, which tells me that maybe they are also suffering a little bit from exhaustion and mental fatigue and the, not so much injuries, but but a, a lot of what's going on at the moment. So maybe that makes the draw a, a fairly realistic uh, call. We could take heart from Leicester as well, though. You know, Leicester just got thumped 6-3 at Man City and a couple of days later, with two midfielders playing at centre-back, they beat Liverpool. They had injuries and COVID as well and, and was sort of like blowing out their asses. So, you know, that could be an well, omen for us. I said Newcastle, mate, Leicester. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree completely. I agree. So, well, perhaps we're, we're, we're giving them too much uh, um, competence at the moment. Mm. So, what are you going to go for, JK? I think it'll be 1-1. One, one. You're going 1-1. One, one. I'm going 1-1. One, one. Dane? I'll sod it. 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one for Dane. Well done. Well done. Uh, <laughs> brilliant. Now, um, as you know, it's our last show of uh, this year. Uh, and I did ask you earlier on today to come with your favourite uh, memory from 2021 that was not us winning the Champions League final because everybody would choose that. So, Dane? I've got to, uh, I, I had the 4-0 Juventus, similar to, to, to add a couple of the Champions League games I really enjoyed, but obviously not being there. Uh, obviously, last season leading up to, to winning against Man City, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, but you're at home with a bottle of beer in your hand, and uh, so it's not the same. But yeah, obviously earlier on, I think Adam was actually correct, you know, just that was a great day uh, going to that day. We, we beat Juventus 4-0. It was a great performance. It all came together. Everything was around it. Jason Cundy's on talk sport, sort of questioning whether we were best in Europe at that time. And then it seems to have, uh, seemed to have sunk a little bit since then. But yeah, I, sometimes I was just, it was just a delight to watch. I was looking at my, my, uh, my son who was next to me in awe sometimes when Reese finished that shot and, we was at the, we was at the top then, and it, it felt good for that little while. Mm. So unless I've forgotten something, uh, again, obviously a lot of the games we can go to earlier on last year. So so being there is is, is the most important thing to me. And uh, yeah, that Juventus four 0 was just was just for one. I I'm glad to agree with you there, Dane. J.K. Uh, beating Real Madrid two one at the Bridge. Yeah. Phenomenal performance, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, you're you're right, J.K. I'm, I'm being a bit naive because I wasn't there, but yeah, it, we we'd done a massive job on them as well. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. was that was was the stadium still empty then? Yeah, it was empty. Yeah, yeah. see that yeah. that that screws it up for me. To be honest, I mean, I'm still a bit kind of mere. I know people might think I'm not saying this, but I, you know, for me, Munich will be better than Porto always. But the reason is because I wasn't at Porto. Yeah, for me, Porto is the is the uh, the best Chelsea experience I've ever yeah. had. And if I'd have been there, I would probably say the same. But it, it lost lost something to me because I wasn't there. No, indeed, indeed. But part of it was going going there as the underdog, being insulted by the Man City fans who just said uh, you're going to lose, you're going to lose five 0 all of this all the time, and then then playing so brilliantly was just 
joyous beyond anything I've ever experienced watching my team. So, mm. uh, yeah, that was. But that's. But uh, you're absolutely right. It's because I was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think the, so much. You know. You know the circumstances of it. You know, of, as to why I wasn't there, because normally I would have been there, and I think that really pissed me off. You know. But anyway. As a funny consequence and related, really, my my favourite moment of 2021 was 3 p.m. on August the 14th, because that was the first time I was back at Stamford Bridge at a game since February the 25th, 2020. So 17 months I was away from, and we all talked about it at the time, and it was as it was as joyous as we all said it would be. But you know, having a pint in the cock or three beforehand, beating everybody at the CFC UK stall clambering up those bloody infernal hundreds of steps up to gate 17 and just the expulsion of emotion and frustration and just elation was makes it easily my favorite moment of the whole year just to be back you know in a seat that I've sat for 20 years now and you know back at the football with all the people I love it was just it doesn't get better than that and it made you realize just how much mm. you missed it so. yeah now you've said that it's like it was like a being a child at Christmas day yeah. wasn't it, it was in, in in August it was yeah you're right it was it was a nice little breeze that came through and it was just yeah it was it was a surreal moment that we thought might not happen yeah. sometimes we didn't know what was going on you know exactly that sometimes. exactly that so there we go so there we go. And that is it for us uh, of, of this year. Uh, JK and I will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show. And we'll have Mark Worrell. Marco's back in town. Fantastic. And uh, Dan Silver. So we'll be on air at 7pm. And we'll be looking back at the Liverpool match and ahead to the Spurs-Caribou Cup semi-final next week. Christ, it's just relentless, isn't it? Uh, and next Friday evening, we will be back with the preview show with JK, me, Mark, Meehan and Sam Incasol from London, And we'll be looking back at the Spurs match and then ahead to the FA Cup third round tie against Chesterfield. Now, on behalf of us all at Chelsea Fancast, I just want to wish you all a very, very, very happy new year. And to thank you for your fantastic support of us and the show in 2021. Uh, we hope we've repaid it in some small way. Uh, JK, again, you know, thank you so much this year. You've been an absolute trooper this year. And, uh, you know, you've, you've fully deserved your promotion. <laughs> what, to, to trooper? No, no. I, if you see, you probably won't notice the, the nuance of this. But for quite a while now, on the blogs that I do up on Acast and the Chelsea Fancast website, I, I used to always go, Stanford Chidge is joined by Jonathan Kidd, Dane oh, Whittle. I now say... Stanford Chidge and Jonathan Kidd are joined by. That's very, very uh, munificent of you. Thank you very much. I but, like that. But you've been truly brilliant this year because, I mean, you're the only poor bastard who has to put up with it as much as I do. So, you know. Yeah, but I, I love it, though, Chidge. Yeah, me you know too, that. mate. It makes my week. It keeps me sane. So thank you and have thank a happy you. new year. Uh, thank you, too. Dane, again, you've been bloody marvellous. It's always a pleasure having you on. And, of course, you know, you do a lot of work behind the scenes with the uh, the long-suffering Instagram account, for which I'm truly very, very grateful. And, of course, you've branched out and uh, doing most of the Went to Mo King's Meadow shows as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I, you know, I, I never take for granted, you know, the opportunity, you know, you, you gave me by asking me to come on board and, you know, the little family we're in, you know, we don't see each other enough, but, you know, it's so nice to, but it's in Zoom so we can see each other that way. And, it, yeah, it's a privilege to do this. You know the friends I've made, the interactions I've made, and you know I'll 
I'll never be complacent about this. And yeah, so you know, I'm not like, going to sack you, Dane. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you said as well. I hope you know all our listeners and all the people who interacts with us, follows us, likes us. You know, had a merry Christmas, and I wish you all a happy New Year. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I just thought actually a very close second for my favourite moment of the year was our get together in the Chelsea Pensioner in the summer. That was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So there you go. So there we go. That's it for us this year. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will see you next year. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.